If you want Colts talk all year long, you're in the right place. This is the official Colts podcast, giving you an updated look at what's new with the horseshoes. Skids off to Taylor. He's in. Touchdown. I-N-D-Y. Fires that way. Picked off. Darius Leonard at the five-yard line. Plants in the pocket. The Colts bring it down. A sack for Indianapolis. Steps up into the end zone. He throws. Michael Pittman. Touchdown. Let's get the podcast started. What's up, everyone? This is another episode of the official Colts podcast presented by WinBet. I'm JJ Stankovitz, joined by Lara Overton and Matt Taylor. Jeffrey Gorman's out this week. He'll be back here soon. It's game week, and I was thinking about this driving in today. So we, we went to the lake over Labor Day weekend, like a lot of folks do. And whenever we would break in the car my two-and-a-half-year-old twin boys in the back seat would go, yay, we're here. And it's like, no, buddy, we still got, like, another hour to go. <laughs> and I feel like Tuesday, it's like, yeah, we're here, signs. it's game Hold week. On, but, like, the uh, we're not quite there days yet. to go. A couple more days until real football. So, But how good was it to have a full weekend of, like, all sorts of college football games to kind of, you know, satiate your thirst a little bit? You and I hunger. were texting – with yeah. each other over the weekend, Lara, and I was just like, it's so nice to not have roster cuts on Saturday. <laughs> yeah. Remember what, the, how torturous was that for anyone who's in the NFL media sphere to have that cuts was like on the Saturday of Labor Day weekend? Era. I kind of missed that uh, like, a little awful. bit, but yeah. Absolutely awful. Coming up on today's show, we're going to talk about the Colts mentality going into the regular season, the return of Shaquille Leonard to the practice field, a look at how the Colts can take advantage of the Texans mm-hmm. on Sunday, and we're going to bust out a round of big deal or big whoop. Excited for that. In the podcast. Um, Does this also, mean we get to play whoop? There it is. Whoop. Whoop or was I it think, whoop or womp? I think we could. I don't know. Uh, whoop. Whoop. Big, is big the, whoop. But what's this song? Is that is There it, it is. Yeah, I think it's whoop. whoop. There it is. Whoop. Whoop, whoop. whoop, not whoop. Yeah. A lot, a lot of whoops and we'll whomps and whoops. And... We'll cue it up later. Wow. That discussion went off did the rails. You go to the, did Real you go quick. to Burger King and get a whooper? A whooper? (laughs) (laughs) Also, hey, before the NFL season starts, guys, the Jim Irsay collection event at Lucas Oil Stadium, uh, that's going to be awesome. I can't wait for that. I'm so excited. John Mellencamp's going to do a song. That's going to be great. If you haven't got your tickets, you can go check those out at jimmersaycollection.com. Anyways, the NFL season is here. One of the most Indiana factoids I feel like about me, the first time I ever saw John Mellencamp live was at Assembly Hall when I was a student at IU. And oh, now yeah. the next time I see yeah. John Mellencamp will be at Lucas Oil Stadium. So it's like the most like Hoosier characteristic that you only listen to John Mellencamp in like Indiana sporting venues. So, I saw yes. John Mellencamp play at all those venues, plus I saw him play at Purdue, which I didn't think was allowed. Right. But that I, does seem hey, like sacrilegious. Tickets are tickets. Money's money, <laughs> I guess, right? Boilermakers <laughs> like John Mellencamp, too. Good for him. All right. Well, the NFL season is here. The Colts kick off the 2022 regular season on Sunday in Houston against the Texans. All three of us will be at that game to see if the Colts will end their losing streak to open the season. It's at 8 Ties the worst mark in franchise history and the third longest in NFL history. That season opening losing streaks. Does that, when, when you start talking about the mental attitude, and we had a chance to go in the locker room on Monday, uh, talk to Frank Reich as well, does that affect the mental attitude of this team? And, and Lara, I want to start with you. Where's just the mental attitude of this team right now going into the regular season? When we heard from Coach Reich, it was very much 
the past is in the past. We have to put the end of last season, you know, that scar of the end of the 2021 season, put that behind us. We have to put these previous seasons because this long predates Frank Reich, the the struggle to start seasons that the Indianapolis Colts have had, well-documented that they have had. So I don't think that there is a – it's – it is something, yes, it's something that we talk about, that the media talks about more than the players talk about, I yes. think. It is more so about just starting the season off strong and setting a tone than it is breaking that streak for me. And one of the biggest factors in the struggles of late that I believe is the fact that you have not had a full off season yeah. with your yep. starting quarterback until now yep. going back to 2018, you know, 2018. Exactly. Cause in 2019, Andrew missed all of camp and then Jacoby was thrust into that role. And then because the pandemic, Philip Rivers had a, you know, very abbreviated off season with his guys. And then Carson Wentz was injured in camp. And so he had limited time going into the season. So I have talked with Michael Pittman Jr. I've talked with Quentin Nelson that this has almost felt like a luxury to have had this much time with your quarterback. So I think this team is highly motivated just because they're highly competitive and they're motivated guys and they're professionals and they just want to go out and win. It has nothing to do with a, a streak or this type of, you know, um, struggle that they have had, in my opinion. Mate, yeah, what, I mean, what was your temperature I mean, on it? Pick, pick your poison on on where the motivation to start the season off should come from. It, I mean, it's it's last season, right, with the thud that was the 2021 season to close out the year. Uh, pick your poison on being sick and tired of hearing about haven't won an AFC South championship since 2014, haven't won a week one game since 2013. Frank Reich's 0-4 in week one games, right? I mean, all of that plus two, I think that everyone knows that this this year and this time, it's all about capitalizing on the moment. The time is now for the Colts. You know they've been open and honest about that and how well built the roster is and how uh, you know good of a drafting team the Colts are under Chris Ballard. This this 2018 draft class that was so good, they're in their prime. Key free agents were signed, trades were made, uh, premium players at, at really important positions are on this team across the board. We talked about it last week when we had that 53-man roster discussion, I mean, the, the starting lineups for the Colts have no issues. There, there's no holes on this roster when you look at the starters. So this team is ready. It's well-built, it's healthy, and there's no reason why they shouldn't contend for the division and make some noise in the playoffs if they get there. But first things first, get off to a good start. So all of those motivating factors, I think, contribute to a really – edgy team from a mental attitude standpoint going into this season here's what i equate this game to this game is like the turkey sandwich all right bear with me <laughs> i like I need, turkey so i'm in i, I need nothing I, nothing sexy about it i just need like you know like some good white bread and some turkey and like it's a good satisfying lunch that's going to carry you through until dinner time you know it's not all doctored up with all of the you know additional things just maybe a little turkey a little cheese a little bread so you know you've got a good nourishing meal you got a good foundation to lay the rest of the day lay the rest of the season on that is my that's my turkey sandwich win I don't need so a whole lot of exotic things on it yeah just kind of stick to the basics and take care of business how that, how that equates to football it's like Jonathan Taylor rushes for 100 yards Matt Ryan throws for 250 yeah, balanced the defense yes. holds the Texans under 20 points and you win by 10 points yes yes right? 
Like that, like that's the, the turkey sandwich. It sounds like this needs to enter uh, Rick Venturi's vernacular. There's a turkey sandwich game. Got some <laughs> yeah, ambient players. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So players playing in a phone booth eating a turkey sandwich. <laughs> As I was going through the locker room yesterday, I, I was, was probably talking thinking to, about Rick Venturi when it came up. Probably were. What is it? A ham sandwich? What does he always eat, Matt? Yeah, it's Everything. ham. Yeah, it's ham, sandwich, ham and cheese. So whatever. Yeah. yeah. Uh, as I was going through the locker room yesterday, I was talking to some players just about the sense of urgency that this team has had from day one of training camp, really day one of the offseason program since Matt Ryan got in the building until now. And I had this, this really interesting conversation with Zaire Franklin about it where I, I brought up to him that, you know, hey, Matt Ryan said the, the focus in the walkthroughs was really good. And that was kind of Matt Ryan's marker of, all right, this team's ready for the season. And Zaire's like, that's good to hear that he said that because we felt that on the, de- the mm-hmm. defensive side of the ball too, that everyone was, was using those reps in that time very well where something that the the Colts have preached is don't get bored with the little things and it's very easy to get bored with the little things in a walkthrough period because it's kind of repetitive you're Mm -hmm. not really going at full speed obviously and the other part of this this sense of urgency when I was talking to guys they all brought up how well conditioned this team is that you know Ashton Doolin said like we feel we feel ready that we can kind of dictate the tempo of a game and sense, all right, hey, defense is getting a little bit tired. Let's go fast. Mm-hmm. Julian Blackman said on the other side of it, when the first team defense got out there in that last preseason game against Tampa and Tampa kind of surprised them by going tempo, they were ready for it because they've been practicing that way yeah. all throughout training camp. So that that conditioning aspect of it, you're usually trying to get guys into football shape early in the season, but the Colts feel like they've got there. And then the mental sharpness that having to practice fast and play fast comes with, something Julian told me too, is like you don't think about being tired when you're out there. You're only thinking about what are what are my cues, what's my assignment, what's my job. You're not thinking, oh man, like I gotta, I gotta get a breather. So that tells me that the, the sense of urgency that the Colts have had has set them up really well for week one. One thing I think that benefits this team a lot and that that comes from is having veteran guys who bring things from other experiences into that locker room because they know what it takes to play at a top tier level. You have guys who have played in Super Bowls like Stephon Gilmore, you know, like Matt Ryan, like DeForest Buckner. You know, you have guys who have had experience other places like Yannick Ngakwe who can come and build things in and say, this is what has worked or hasn't worked elsewhere that we can help bring in and integrate into what you guys have already been doing, a great foundation of what you already have. And I think that that veteran presence and having some guys with experiences external to this building is going to be a huge factor this year. Yeah, I mean, a guy like Yannick Ngakwe, like, the way that he practices, Stefan Gilmore and the Gilmore and Ngakwe practice in different ways. You know, Ngakwe. Stefan's very intentional. Yes, Stefan is incredibly intentional, incredibly detailed. Yannick, not that he's not intentional and detailed, but he's just a ball of energy out there, mm-hmm. and you love seeing that from those guys and how they've gone about it. Uh, one other thing you mentioned, Mete, is the health of this team being pretty good. Mm-hmm. That yeah, that's a real factor here. You know, the Colts. It's not like the Colts. There's complete- no excuses. Not that there ever right. would be. Right. But you, you, you're you're playing with a loaded gun. Let's right. go. It, it's not like the Colts completely avoided the injury bug. You know, obviously Drew Ogletree going down. Mm-hmm. That's a significant loss. Rigoberto Sanchez, significant loss. Um, you know, but then that kind of takes us into Shaquille Leonard and where he's at. Mm-hmm. He he practiced again. Uh, he practiced Wednesday, Thursday last week. He was out, out there for the walkthrough on Monday, and mm-hmm. he will practice this week. So what what we're, what's going to happen over the next couple of days, just to set everyone up, is Wednesday, Thursday, the Colts will have practice reports. We're back in that flow. So you will see Shaquille Leonard 
you know, he was he limited? Was mm-hmm. he full? Was he DNP? One of those three designations. It sounds like he will not be DNP. So that's the good news. Then Friday, we'll get another one of those limited full DNP with a game status. Will he be questionable? Will he be doubtful? Will he be out? One of those three. So that's kind of where the and, the, and the Colts are at with him is let's see how he does this week. And then we'll make an evaluation Friday, Saturday on Leonard. So that is not a full, he's not playing. That's not a full, he is playing. I think I feel encouraged that. We're, we're at this point with him where we're having these discussions. But, Lara, I know you talked with him last week, and you put a tweet out, a part of your conversation. What can you kind of share about the, the sense you got from talking to Shaquille about him, about his status for this game? I was asking him, you know, not that it's a, a good thing ever, that he has basically battled injuries to some degree going back to his rookie season, but it does provide him with a bit of perspective. In that he also knows saves how, his body too. Knows how to right? handle some of these things, mm-hmm. and so I was asking him about how you juggle being patient and not rushing yourself back, but also the competitive side of just wanting to be out there and wanting to win and wanting to help your team. So I'll I'll read through a bit of the conversation you know that we had, and his his answer was. Um, you don't have to come back in a rush. He said that, you know, I love football, I love to play, but is it worth the risk going out there and be hurt for 15, 16 weeks, or should I sit out one or two games and come back healthy for 14 games and make a good playoff push? So he said that there's a lot of maturity that comes into that decision and when he comes back, and he had not ruled out coming back for week one, but these are just the factors to consider. This was the one that I tweeted that I felt like was really indicative. It was hard. It was very hard because, you know, once I put on my cleats, it's like I'm all in. There's no such thing as D. Leonard only playing two out of the five plays, which goes back to Frank Reich being asked about a pitch count when Shaq Leonard returns. He said the injury, it's more of how I'm feeling, how I'm cutting, and in man-to-man do I trust myself. There's just a whole different mindset because I felt like last year in certain plays, battling my injury, I let the team down and sometimes – I didn't want to feel that again. I never want to be in a position again where I feel like I let the team down. So now I've got to be smart. Whenever I'm comfortable, feel like I'm close to 100%, be out there and ready to ball out. Because there is only one speed Darius Leonard, Shaquille Leonard plays at. And that is 100 miles per hour every single snap. The other thing, Mayte, is that when we were talking to Shaquille last week, he mentioned that this is the first time since like week four of Mm -hmm. the 2018 season that he hasn't had right. pain in his ankle. That seems like a pretty significant development, yeah. right? No doubt about it. No doubt about it. So you're talking about a guy that's literally on track. It's not hyperbole to say that he's on track to be a Hall of Fame player, and he's played three and a half years on one bad wheel. By the way, you know, going back to Lara, to supplement Lara's conversation, here is Frank Reich yesterday when he was asked about a, a pitch count potentially for Shaquille Leonard if he is active and playing on Sunday in week one? Yeah, no, it's an interesting question. Like, in my mind, I'm saying, well, there's probably a natural pro- progression to a pitch count, but I'm not saying that that's what it's going to have to be. You know what I mean? Like, it seems to me like that, like, no doctor has said that to me, but it feels to me like, hey, that might be the right thing to do. But I just think we have to see how he progresses. I think he's doing well. I think he's making progress. Um you know, I'm not going to, like in my, my brain says, yeah, you probably have a pitch count the first time he's out there playing in the game. But I'm not going to make an absolute because 
what you find over the years is sometimes different players respond differently. And I don't know the full extent. The, the injury is kind of a unique injury. And if he gets to a point where he's comfortable and they say, hey, 20 plays or 70 plays, it's all the same. If uh, From a conditioning standpoint, if he's ready to go, then then you let him play. He's It's it's Shaq. I mean, he's a great player. But we want to be smart as well. So we'll see as it We'll see as it goes. Yeah, and Frank said something right there towards the end that I think is the key in all of this is the conditioning because he hasn't been on a game field since January 9th, missed all of the offseason workout program, missed all of training camp. Not to say that he's not in shape because he certainly is. He's doing what he can to stay in shape when he's not practicing. There's football shape, and then there's you think you're in football shape, and you only get in football shape by playing football at the highest of level on a, on a game field when you play 70 plays throughout the course of a game on defense. But I don't think the Colts should have to, for lack of a better term, back themselves into a corner by putting Leonard on a pitch count because I'm not taking anything away from what he gives you on defense. He's the heart and soul. He's the juice guy. He has all of those takeaways. But you can win a game without him because you are healthy and you've got really good depth in Zaire Franklin and EJ Speed, and those are really good football players. So it's not like you have to – uh, force him out there week one and, and put him on a pitch count for the sake of having him out there. Colts have really good talent. That speaks to the depth on the team and how well the team is put together in all phases, but especially there at linebacker with some of those mainstays with Franklin Okereke and EJ Speed. So great if you're out there, but I still think you get all, you can get off to a good start and you can play winning football if Leonard's not on the field for the first week or two or however long this goes. There's a couple things here. I, I think Mate, you bring up a good point about you can win without him, and you do need to take the long view of this. You need to take the view that this is an 18-week season where if you push him too early, that could potentially impact late in the season right. when you might need to go win that game in Week 17 like the Colts are not able to do last year or Week 18. The other part of it on conditioning, <clears throat> sometimes just these these players who are the greatest of the great at their position – it just doesn't matter as much. I saw Khalil Mack in 2018. He got traded from the, the Raiders to the Bears on the Saturday of Labor Day weekend. He had sat out the entire training camp, the entire preseason, all of OTAs. He showed up to Hallis Hall on Monday before the Bears played on Sunday. He went out on Sunday and had the greatest half of football I have ever seen a defensive player have in my life. He had like an interception, two forced fumbles, two sacks. It was unbelievable. And this is a dude who hadn't practiced at all before that week. When you're just that level that I think Shaquille Leonard is at that level too, you just can go out there and make plays. And conditioning, yes, it matters. You absolutely need to be in football shape. But from like a playmaking standpoint, he could still go out there and force like a fumble or two and make 10 tackles, and I would not be shocked at all. He is incredibly unique, obviously, in so many ways. The one thing that gives me a little bit of pause, too, is, yes, we keep talking about the strength of the ankle and the health of the ankle, but we got to go back to the fact that this was a back surgery. This was a procedure on the discs that was creating pressure. So that, to me, just elevates this ever so slightly that you're not just treating something in the lower right. body as a linebacker, as a guy who hits and punches and tackles and intercepts like Darius Leonard. If there's any limitation in your spine, the severity of that can be critical. So that's one of the other things as well is making sure that is 100%. You're not just treating one element. You're treating multiple levels of this healing process. One other thing to note here is that Shaquille Leonard is changing positions by name. He, was, he played the Will 
in Matt Eberflus's scheme. Now he's playing the Mike in Gus Bradley's scheme. Mete, does that does that impact things here? That he he will not have had a lot of practice time playing the Mike, no. or is it a kind of a, a seamless transition for him? Do you see? Well, I mean, I'm not trying to downplay it, but I do agree with you in that Shaquille Leonard is different. You know, he is the type of guy. You put guys in a, in a very exclusive bucket, right? I mean, like a, a Reggie Wayne or a Marvin Harrison or a Dwight Freeney or Robert Mathis. They're the type of player that can go out there and miss a ton of time in mm-hmm. the offseason and training camp, and you would still trust them to go out and play at a high level without a lot of time on task. I think you put Shaq in that bucket, that exclusive group. It's a new scheme, and it's new terminology, and there's some subtle nuances, but – you know, he, he's the type of player that I think he's still being asked to do the same things. It's, ju- it's just different in terms of terminology and how they set up the defense as compared to in years past. He's going to do Will Linebacker things in the Matt Eberflus defense. In this defense, it's just called the Mike. So not to right. overconfuse fans, he's still going to play. He's still going to line up in a similar position, be asked to do the same things. Just terminology in this defense, he's the Mike as compared to the Will. But, yeah, he's the type of guy that we thought was going to be six practices. Sounds like it's going to be more like five under his belt. That, that to me, is enough time if he's healthy and in good enough condition to go out and play, and you would trust him to play and be the game changer that you have seen him to be to this point in his career. So it's going to be fascinating to see because, again, prior to last week, my gut was he'll miss a game or two. Now he's trending towards Maybe being out there week one, which is is a testament to his work ethic. So it's going to be a developing thing. Probably will go up all the way until game time. And one of the things that Shaq did tell me was that in the time he has not been on the field, he's basically just reallocated that to studying more and spending more time in the playbook and watching more film. So he's really just translated the time that he hasn't maybe been, you know, practicing or maybe he hasn't been able to go and spend an hour in the weight room lifting, mm-hmm. you know, because of limitations. He's just used that time to do other things to make sure he's still locked in. So he's kind of been able to supplement that time. Again, there's no way to, you know, replicate the time on task actually on the field but it's not like he's just used that time you know to not figure out ways to still catch up to speed to still be locked in to know the scheme to know the system and really adjust to what he's going to be doing this year that might just be those different nuances from what we've seen in the past all right let's talk about the game our first game to talk about this year I mean it's not a preseason game a first real game to talk about by the way did you catch Frank Reich yesterday during his press conference and he was just like the things we were running in the preseason were so generic. Yeah. Like, so generic. Yeah. He was just really driving it home. Like, we weren't really doing anything. Well, that goes back to his introductory press conference. You know, he said, hey, in the preseason, we show nothing. And right. in four years, it, that can, or five years, that continues. So now we get to see the Colts show something. Uh, and it's, it'll be against the Houston Texans. This is a team, they were 4-13 and 13 last year. They lost nine games by ten points. The Colts beat them combined 62-3. to three in two games last season. New year, new team. The Texans are not, this is not a roster that is just, there's no talent on it. Davis Mills did some good things last year. He completed 67% of his passes. Brandon Cooks, six straight 1,000-yard receive, 1,000-yard uh, seasons in his career. He's a guy who, it's like every fantasy league, someone winds up with Brandon Cooks, and they're like, yeah, I feel pretty good about this because someone's got to catch the ball there. Nico Collins, also an up-and-coming wide receiver pretty decent pair they have there 
Texans defense did give up over 26 points per game last season. They're second to last in the NFL in stopping the run at 142 yards per game, but they have some it's not like again, this is a team totally bereft of talent. They got the number 3 overall pick, Derek Stingley Jr. at cornerback, Jalen Petrie is a safety who some folks really like there. So, Mate, how do the Colts match up against the Texans in this game? Well, overall roster-wise, like I, I do agree with you. It's an NFL team, right? So they're going to have playmakers. They're going to have talent. But they had no pro bowlers last year. They had no all-pro players. They've added guys, as you said. They've got Petrie and Stingley in the secondary, so they're going to be better there. Lovey Smith's now the head coach. But when you compare the two rosters, the Colts are a really, really good team. The Texans are an up-and-coming team, but as of right now, the Colts match up very favorably in this game. I mean, the odds makers have the Colts as an eight-point favorite. That that means nothing, right? I mean, we all know, uh, just go back to Week 18 last year in Jacksonville, the Colts were a 15-point favorite. We all know how that went. Uh, but I think in the ground game, you got to start there. Jonathan Taylor had at least 140 rushing yards in both matchups. Um, it's the same scheme on defense. Lovey Smith's still going to oversee that unit despite being the head coach as well. Good matchup there on paper. Colts were number two in rushing. The Texans were 31st in stopping the run. But sort of those games or those matchups within the game, I'm going to be watching Jonathan Grenard against Braden Smith or maybe Matt Pryor because he kind of shifts where he lines up. He had eight sacks last year. Uh, I think the biggest question is, how much better is Mills? Because yeah. he was a rookie last year. He played good at times. You know, he had some spot moments, but not against the Colts. In two games against the Colts last year, just 57% completion percentage, had three picks. The Colts sacked him six times. So I like this matchup on defense for the Colts going into this game. As you said, Brandon Cooks is their guy. He's their, their bona fide target. He had 70 more targets than anybody else on the team last season. So I think that's going to be a good matchup. You know, pair Stephon Gilmore on him for a good portion of the game. Shut him down and make somebody else make a play, whether that's Nico Collins, as you said, or Pharaoh Brown from the tight end position. You take him away, that should mean some good things for the Colts' pass rush to get home with Unique Ngakwe, Quiddy Pay. Damian Pierce is their stud. Um, yeah, they really back. like him. Yeah, you know, they they put they wave Marlon Max and he's going to be running back number one. He well, had they, thirteen so touchdowns they, last year. They they waved Marlon Mack and then they released him from the practice squad. Yeah. So he's not even with the team anymore. Right. It's him. It's Pierce and Rex Burkhead running the football. They were dead last at running the ball last year. They only went over a hundred yards in three games. So that's going to be an emphasis with Pep Hamilton now at at offensive coordinator, but those are some of the matchups within the game that I'm going to be watching, but clearly on paper, and I know the game is not played on paper, but the Colts have a superior roster going into this game, and obviously that's why the odds makers have them as an eight-point favorite. So the the one area I'm really looking for in this game where I think the Texans could pose a challenge, their pass rush is pretty – It I'm not going to say it's great. they got Jerry Hughes it's, now. It's good. I, th- I think you could easily overlook this group. You mentioned Jonathan Grenard, eight sacks last year, and then you add Jerry Hughes, uh, a veteran pass rusher, Mario Addison, same thing. You know, they go and they sign uh, Wong- Ak- Mate, How do you pronounce that name? I'm not th- I'm not there yet. You're not, I'm there, not yet. there yet. Agbania Okoronwu, Okor- Okor- if, I, if I remember it from last I'm, year. I'm so sorry that Rams. I butchered that. Yeah, yeah. played for the, He was like their number three pass rusher last year behind Leonard Floyd and Von Miller. Got a little bit of juice to him. Malik Collins is a really good D-tackle. So the, for a Colts offensive line that did not play up to their standard last year and is replacing two starters, I think this group is a pretty decent challenge for them. You know, how does Matt Pryor 
fair if mm-hmm. he gets Jonathan Grenard on yeah. him. You know, or you know, a guy like Jerry Hughes on the interior, a guy like Malik Collins. You know, if Danny Pinter is going up against him, that will be a challenge for the new Colts right guard. So I'm not just going to pencil this in and say Matt Ryan's going to have a clean pocket all game. I think the Colts offensive line can be up to it, certainly. But this isn't a game where if you get to it and you go, Matt Pryor had no sacks, and you're like, oh, well, they're just playing the Texans D line. Right. That's really not the case. This is a line that's got some players on it, some guys who have some pass rushing juice, and then in guys like Jerry Hughes and Mario Addison, guys who have a lot of pass rushing experience. So I, I, I feel... I feel like that, you know, you're looking at one area where the Texans could pose the Colts some problems mm-hmm. that they're going to need to handle. That That's kind of the one I had circled. Anything else that stands out to you, you know, before we kind of move on to uh, Big Deal or Big Whoop here? Again, they're relying on some unheralded wide receivers, you know, to come in and, and make an impact. You know, Chris Moore out of Cincinnati, he's a guy that's been on their practice squad the last couple of years. Former Colt Philip Dorsett makes the team. He's sort of that number four, number five receiver. I really like Tyler Johnson. They picked him up off a waiver claim. We saw him in the preseason uh, against Tampa, and uh, he's a nice little player. He's out of Minnesota, so I think he kind of mixes in uh, within their passing game, but the biggest the biggest question for me is, you know, what what kind of leap do they get out of Davis Mills? Yep. He's really good inside the red zone. He takes good care of the football. Uh, he's he's a good decision maker, accurate. But again, the Colts defense last year just gave him a ton of trouble. And now with a new defense and Gus Bradley, maybe a little bit of an advantage for the Colts going into this game because it is the first you know, test for the Colts in a new scheme, and they're going to have some new wrinkles that maybe the Houston Texans weren't prepared for. But you could say that about the other side because right. Pep, Pep Hamilton's Hamilton. the offensive yeah. coordinator. I mean, it's it's the NFL. You make adjustments. You know, you play the first quarter, the, the first 15 minutes. You kind of decide, okay, who are they today? What are they trying to do? And then you adjust, and you just go out there and play football after that. All right, let's play big deal or big whoop. Are the following statements important or concerning or – are they not significant? So let's start here. The Colts have lost eight straight season opening games, a streak that ties the worst mark in franchise history and is the third longest in NFL history. Lara, big deal or big whoop? To me, it's a big whoop because when you look at last season, and I hope this is the last time we harp on last season. We're into a new season. But I will say big whoop because had you won to start the season last year, you wouldn't have been in the situation you were in those last two games of the season, right? You you wouldn't have had to bank on beating the Raiders or beating the Jags in Jacksonville. You would have taken care of things early on that would have better positioned you, and you already would have been likely solidified into a playoff spot had you won earlier, had you started this season better. You know, we've seen the Colts basically have to dig themselves out of these big deficits, and that just takes so much energy to mm-hmm. expend to do when you start off with a loss and you're climbing your way back in. So, yeah, I'm going to say it's a big whoop. I'm, yeah, we're, we're tired of talking about it. We're tired of hearing about it. So is Michael I mean, Pittman. I've probably heard that a thousand times since, like, since, like, I've been here. I think it's since, like, 2014 or something like that. So we're just looking to break that streak, you know. Uh, we're just willing to do whatever it takes. So, like, whatever that's going to be. 2013. 2013. <laughs> Thanks, champ. Even worse. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So that's what we're trying to do. You know, like, we're going to fight our hardest. We're going to prepare. And uh, just treat every day like it's like the, a game, and um, that should put us in a great position to go out there and uh, play uh, well. Yeah, I mean, if eh, we're all sick and tired of hearing about it and talking about it and bringing it up as a storyline going into the game, just imagine being a player. Just imagine being a coach. Imagine being Frank Reich. And You're the only that. one of us who was here for that, actually. 
yeah. of, of this group yeah. sitting in this room right here, yeah, Matt that, Taylor. 2013. You're yeah. holding down the sidelines for that win against yeah. the Raiders, right? Yeah, it seems like that was, in, in NFL terms, eight years. That's that's three lifetimes, you know, for a lot of people professionally. But I don't know how to answer this. Is it is it a big deal or a big whoop? Is it can I say big deal? Because it's I, I sort think, of in the middle. Yeah. Because I'm tired. Of, Wait. Okay. Oh, I can. I was confused. I. I. It is a big deal. I went big deal. You um, went big sorry. deal. I meant. I. I messed that up. I didn't really know what big whoop was. I thought big, big whoop, whoop is was, in. Eh, yeah. It don't matter. Oh. Yeah. Okay. But See, I, it's it's kind of in the I, middle because I got confused. N- none of that has anything to do with Sunday, but also at the same time, it's a big deal because. The owner is putting a ton of emphasis on it. I mean, Jim Irsay always talks about, you know, he has to he has to kind of curb it. You know, he's he's admitted in interviews, I got to make sure I don't put too much emphasis on this first game, considering we've lost eight of them in a row. And I just think it's sort of a big deal in the sense that you just you got to get off to a good start this year because there's just not going to be a lot of margin for error towards the end of the season or the back half of the season. When you talk about AFC South games, because five of the first seven yeah. come before Halloween, so if you don't get off to a good start within the division, and by the way, those division games also count as AFC games, the you know, conference games, which were so important to the Colts last With year in their bid for yeah. a tiebreaker um, as a wild card team, the sense of urgency has to be there, and it's a big deal that you get off to a good start this year, which means you would break that that awful streak. So, kind of in the middle, big whoop because the past. Has no indicator on how this game goes, but also a big deal because week one and and really the first month of the season are going to be so imperative for the Colts. Yeah, I know there's that stat, Mete, that since adopting the 12-team playoff format in 1990, 53% of teams that win the opener make the playoffs. Only 25% of teams that start 0-1 get to the postseason. I'm not super worried about that. Um, just because, like, you know, we, we've talked about the Colts still have made the postseason in this stretch uh, three times, actually. Mm-hmm. Having said that, I think your point is is good. That I think it's a big whoop for week one, but for the first seven weeks of the season, it's a big deal. Right. Because you, it's not just that you play five or seven games. You get the Titans twice, you get the Jaguars twice. So you're done. You do not get another chance to play those teams. Like if you're one of those teams that's like, all right, well, we really figured out who we were in the first half of the season, then we took off. Yeah. We're well, not going to get a chance to play the Titans and beat the right. Titans again. You got to take care of business in weeks 4 and 7 against Tennessee and in weeks 2 and 6 against Jacksonville. That's what you've got to do early in the season. Also, it is Womp there it is by the way. Like I thought Womp. I was correct. Like it's W H O O M P for all of my like <laughs> 90s kids out there. Yeah, tag team it's Womp. So when I said Womp, I thought well, I was right. See, I got I got thrown Womp. off because there of the, the scoop there it is tag commercial. There's no it's not again. scoop there it is. It's scoop there it is. So how do you spell Womp? W H O O M P. At it's least not like when the you're big talking blue about block the, and Mario. When that's you're a talking womp. about the the song, if we are referencing the great song from '93, showing my age now, yeah. it's Womp. But yeah, come on. I just remember that from Mighty Ducks Two. Anybody else seen Mighty Ducks Two? Yeah. When they're going to get. Uh, I don't think I knew that there was a second one. There's yes. A, there's, yes. A, there's a third one too. Yeah, like when yeah. Uh, they're out in the skate park and, you know, practice is over and they didn't need to find their mojo back before they take on Iceland. Yeah, well, there it is. Lara is mouthing the words to this, and she hasn't missed one yet. Yeah, whoop, it's W-H-O-O-M-P. There you go. we got to well get done. Mike Stevens to turn the cameras on in here so we could have got Lara dancing in her chair to this. Also, if you're not dancing in your chair, like driving around or listening to this while mowing the lawn, 
<laughs> you're, you're missing out. I am not listening to this mowing the lawn. I must That's kind of hard to I do. Why admit. did I say mowing the lawn? That's dumb. <laughs> big, big whoop. All right. Maybe, other, maybe other vacuuming one. the house. There, that's the yeah, that's more yeah, another fun. loud activity. <laughs> uh, big deal or big whoop? No member of the Colts' wide receiver group is older than 25. None has played more than 30 games. Michael Pittman is the most accomplished of the bunch. He's just 24. The returning receivers to the roster not named Michael Pittman combined for 28 receptions, 387 yards, and four touchdowns last season. By the way, Michael Pittman Jr. has played like 600 more snaps in his career than the rest of this wide receiver group. Is this a big deal, as in this is important, or is this a big whoop, as in eh, who cares, big whoop? I see why people care, but the reason I say big whoop is because I really like the young emerging talent that you have, and I like it combined with what Matt Ryan is giving you from a leadership perspective and the way he is elevating the rest of the guys around him. I also say big whoop because as we're talking about receivers, I want to broaden that out to pass catchers. I want to put Naeem Hines. Mm-hmm. He's going to have a bigger role catching the ball. I want to throw those tight ends in there as well. Mo, Kylan, Jelani Woods. So, I mean, obviously Jelani's a, a rookie, but, you know, Mo has given you, you know, really valuable presence on the field from a receiving standpoint. You know Naeem is going to get touches um, in the passing game. So, to me, yes, you're isolating the wide receivers, but I almost think you have to broaden it out and you have to look at the targets and the weapons this offense has in general. And I also think that, that these wide receivers are really going to prove themselves to be formidable as this season goes on yeah. with the opportunity they're now presented yeah I agree hopefully this is it turns out to be a big whoop because I'm really excited to see how Matt Ryan at quarterback can help bring these guys along because I think this offense it's a Frank Reich staple it's a Matt Ryan staple with Atlanta you're gonna get seven eight nine guys every week catching a pass it's not like you know Michael Pittman Jr. has to have 120 receiving yards and a touchdown in order for the Colts to have a chance to win. I mean, you're going to have playmakers here, guys stepping into roles, and just because they haven't doesn't mean they can't. Ashton Doolin only had 13 catches last season. Well, guess what? He's in a new role now, and the Colts feel confident that he can be, you know, a number three guy, or maybe it's Paris Campbell as a number two or a number three, something they haven't asked of him or something that he hasn't been able to do because of health. Every year there's there's guys that – graduate from the practice squad or role player on special teams that you know migrate into the starting lineup and you say wow this guy's pretty good guys have left in free agency or it's it's his time in year three or year four whatever the case is to step up and be asked to do more so hopefully this is a big whoop but we're not going to know until about week three week four how these guys turn into playmakers behind michael Pittman jr one thing to think about here um why I think it's more of a big whoop is I asked Reggie Wayne if there was something he learned about Michael Pittman Jr. that he didn't know when he took the job. And Reggie told me that it was that Michael Pittman Jr. is a true leader of that room, that he has that leadership quality. And Reggie said it took him till probably year 10 or 11 to really slide into that role. Now, I think probably having Marvin Harrison there had something to do with it. But for Pitt, it's been very natural for him to step in as that leader He's very much a lead by example, be a perfectionist, but this dude is just tough as nails out mm-hmm. there. And I, I think about something that Frank Reich told me. He said, when your number one wide receiver is your best blocking wide receiver, that pushes everyone else 
to go do that job too, kind of the dirty work of playing the position, but something that's very important for the Colts' run game. So to me, when you're thinking about this group, and even though they're young, if you have someone who is a leader in it in Michael Pittman Jr., who's been productive in his career with a 1,000-yard season last year, I think you worry less about the the amount of snaps or the amount of receptions or how old they are, and you look more at can this be a good top-to-bottom group with a leader in Michael Pittman at the top? And I think the answer is yes, it can be. We'll just have to see how things play out, like you said, Mate, over the first couple of weeks of the season. Anyways, let's get to this week's mailbag question. Here's the mail, it never fails. It makes me want to wag my tail. When it comes, I want to will. Great question today from at Brian McLean 28 on Twitter. What's going to be Jonathan Taylor's carry target per game? He threw out 20. And this ties into something. Frank Reich talked a lot about this on Monday, where the Colts in the offseason, they really dove in to looking at running backs with heavy workloads and how those guys' careers played out. And in part of this, Frank Reich gave a lot of praise to the Colts analytics department of George Lee and John Park. But they, they really looked at it, and I think I think the Colts, they, they know they have the best running back in football in Jonathan Taylor, but they don't want to overuse him, and they don't want to burn him out. They want to make sure that when he touches the ball, he can be as explosive and as fresh as possible. The Colts, I mean, they've set up this whole year to pass the ball more because passing is more efficient, and again, you don't want to you know burn out your running back, and you kind of saw last year the limitations of an offense that has to rely so heavily on a run game. 20 feels probably about right over the course of a season. But then you think about it, you're like, that's 340 carries. That's a lot of carries. I mean, that, had 330 that, something that would be, last year. That right? would be more than last year. That would be year. more yeah. than last year. Yeah. So you, you kind of look at that and, and you're like, I don't know, maybe it's a little bit less. Maybe if you're looking at an average, like, 15. I mean, mm-hmm. last year there were only two players who went over 300 carries. That'd be Najee Harris at 307 and Jonathan Taylor at 332. This is a stat that Cynthia Freeland dropped yesterday, and I thought that this was just I saw insane. that, but you have to give us credit because we had that like two months ago. I didn't. I, I somehow missed it. She was. Yeah, she tweeted I asked Jonathan Taylor that. about it in a yeah, press conference. I was like, hey, we yeah. had that two weeks Anyways, ago. Anyways, read the well, stat because it's still impressive. Yeah, his rush yards after contact, 1,272. That's according to Pro Football Focus. Exceeded the total rushing yards produced by any other player. Nick Chubb ranked second in the league with 1,259 total yeah. rushing yards. Yards, crazy. So, yeah, it is. That's that's nuts. So, so this was part of. So Cynthia was doing a, a larger look at all of her projections for each team across, and that was just one of the things that she noted within her prediction for what the Col- Colts will do this year. She noted that that mm-hmm. statistic. So, also, only two players over the last couple of years have had back to back seasons of three hundred carries: Derrick Henry and Ezekiel Elliott. It's that's hard to do, mm-hmm. and I think you you do want to say maybe you kind of dial it back a little bit while still being keeping the same efficiency and explosiveness that you have at the running back right. position. Um, but again, I think it goes into you're probably not going to have a game like the Colts had against the Patriots where your quarterback throws it 12 times. That Ideally, you don't have a oh, game yeah. like that this year. Yeah. I think when it's all said and done, you're, you're not going to throw the ball more per se. You just need to throw it better. You need to have more efficiency. You need to have – 
bigger plays, yards after catch. You know, as you said, Jonathan Taylor led the NFL in in workload last year, 332 carries. Um, he carried the ball 192 times in the final eight games of the season. Mm-hmm. That's an average of 24 times per game. That's that's a lot. I don't know if 24 is sustainable. And I know the Colts don't want to get there because of who they want to be, you know, on offense in terms of balance. You know what they want to do to Jonathan Taylor and his body. But if you look at it, the the first Eight games, the Colts were, or I should say Taylor, was averaging 15.5. Last eight games, the number was up to 22.1. Yep. So, again, I don't think it just sort of happened that way organically where the Colts became very dependent on Jonathan Taylor. We've talked about this ad nauseum. The Colts threw for over 200 yards just twice in the last eight games of the season last year. It's probably better when it's all said and done. If you look at 17 games and you average it out, it's probably best if Jonathan Taylor is getting, you know, 15 to 17 carries per game for about 100 yards and the Colts throw for 250 per game and score 30 points per game that way as compared to scoring 30 points last year the other way. Real quick, the other thing on this, I think Jonathan Taylor has more than 40 receptions this year. There was a stretch of three games last year between weeks 13 and 15 or 13 and 16 where he didn't have a single catch in a game. I don't think that happens again. I think his catches mm-hmm. may go up. Maybe his attempts on rushing go down. All right, random thought of the week. Let's do it real quick. All right, random thought of the week. Guys, I want to know, if you're going to lose something, would you rather lose your phone or would you rather lose your wallet? This one is easy. If you have to pick. Yeah, this Immedi- is immediately as I saw it, I've replaced so many cell phones in my day. Like I think that the Apple Care people probably like know me by name. They're like, ah, she's back. I have really. Like, I, oh, oh, yes. You can ask Dan Tucker about how many phones I've either broken, lost, whatever. Yes. So like I do my iCloud backup religiously. Yep. Like if I lose a phone, I would you know be back at the Apple. I mean, I hate it because I hate paying for it, and and like it's it's disgusting. But I know that everything I can get back because of the magic of the cloud, you know, and the fact wow. that everything can easily be restored there for yeah. sure. You can't store your driver's license in the crowd and in the cloud, and then you have to go to the BMV. And this surprises like, me. Yeah. I thought for sure you guys would go the other way on this. No, I mean, look, I feel I my wife gives me you know stuff all the time because I feel lost if I don't have my cell phone with me for like a minute. But like I. I, that's a lot easier. I to didn't have this. my phone for about four and a half hours on Friday. Good for you. Well, no, I mean, I didn't have a choice. I had to take it to Verizon to get some things done again because, I mean, this is this is me. Like I'm always like messing things up. <laughs> what, uh, what are you doing? Uh, I, I well, I so I got a new phone uh, of like months ago, and I broke it the first day I had it. So then I had oh, to replace the okay. phone, and the replacement phone never got synced to my watch. So I had to go and I had to leave my watch and my phone there, so I could do a whole bunch of things to update it and make it work again. So wow. yeah, I know. So yeah. Well, I must not be as technical, technically savvy as you guys. So if I lost my phone. That would consist of me having to loop in five other people and a hassle for me to get it synced back up and yeah. to get it get all the apps where I want them and the usernames and the passwords. Yeah. So I would be crippled if I lost my phone. And I've also lost I've had I've had experience losing my wallet about twelve times. Have you really? So I'm not used to that. Having to go to the DMV for a new issued license and getting new credit cards and all that stuff. It's also why I, I never carry cash because I am so prone to losing my wallet. That's why I never have cash on me because I, I have never a- carry cash because it's 2022. Um, well, 
Yeah, I mean, you, I like you can, to you can press it. a button well, okay, now, right, I, I, and buy I, a boat. Okay, for example, okay, it's good to have, I had cash on me, which I don't always do, but I had to go buy, I ran into the, like, gas station, I just needed ice for, a, we were yeah. having a gathering on Saturday, and we needed ice, and their credit card machine wasn't working, and I was like, oh, that's fine, I actually had cash on me, so there were all these other people that were like, oh, man, I'm trying to, you know, get, I'm trying to get gas, or people, you know, and that's the worst, right, if the thing, the machines aren't yeah. working, so thankfully I had cash, and I'm like, yeah. I need to do a better job I actually this. paid with cash the other day at a at a restaurant i got got carry out mm-hmm. and paid with cash and this this woman god bless her she looked at me like i wanted to uh <laughs> like ha- have her build me a spaceship to go to mars she, she had no idea how <laughs> to handle a change. cash yeah. transaction <laughs> i was like i'm sorry I, okay well, okay this last thing on this though do you keep anything like sentimental in your wallet no though? like you no, don't no. you don't so no I have like because I'll lose it. That's see, why. See, I, I was gonna say that's one of the things about my wallet. I, I keep like like I have a couple photos. I have a couple like notes, like little things in there that like I have like for nostalgia purposes. So if I lost my wallet, I'd be really devastated. I feel like yeah. Now I would just be bummed to lose some like gift cards and my ID for, and then for Paratellos. Yeah. yeah, for some Paratellos. Paratellos. <laughs> <laughs> that boiled beef's on you. <laughs> All right. Well, coming up this week on the Colts Audio Network, daily updates Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. Those will be on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. You can find them here on the Colts Audio Network as well. Inside Football with Rick Venturi is out on Wednesday. Rick's blueprint to beat the Houston Texans in week one will be on that episode. Player one-on-ones all week long. Mate, you caught up with linebacker JoJo Doman this week. Think conversation. Check that out on your feed. Know your foe. An interview with an insider on the Texans. That'll be out on Thursday. Friday, Colts Happy Hour with JMV on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. And then after the game, late night Sunday, Bill Brooks and I are going to record the first instant reaction pod of the regular season, so that should be in your feed by Monday morning. Anyways, please rate, review, and subscribe to us here on the Colts Audio Network. You can follow Mayte on Twitter at Colts, Lara on Twitter at Lara Overton, and me on Twitter at JJ Stankovitz. That's going to do it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening to us here on the Colts Audio Network in this episode of the official Colts podcast presented by WinBet. Talk to you next week.